Let's pray. Dear Lord, um, in response to that song, we are turning our eyes upon Jesus. And our desire is that we would be able to look full in his wonderful face, that the things of this earth might grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. We pray in Jesus' name this morning. Amen. Well, in my bag here, and Manny was saying, are you sure you want to bring your purse up there? I'm like, yes, I have a treasure in there. Are there any 10-year-olds here? <laughs> I, oh, we have a 10-year-old. In my bag here, I have a treasure. It was a treasure to my 10-year-old heart, and I still have it all these years later. When I was a child, my sisters and I used to play together. I was, um, actually I was eight at the time, so it's an eight-year-old treasure. My sister Lori was 10 and my sister Lois was 11. And we used to play something called trading post. What is a trading post? Well, where I came from, a trading post was a log building a big log building on the side of a rural type of highway, and it was filled with many treasures that little children just loved to handle, like rubber tomahawks, or genuine rabbit pelts, or feathers, or all kinds of things. Um, we just loved to play in there, and we always would stop. And usually outside there would be uh, a carved wooden moose out of some massive log or a bear, a carved black bear next to a wooden bench. And so many photo opportunities were there. And, um, and so we got this idea, we're going to play trading post. We were going to place all the things that we maybe weren't 100% attached to on the tops of our dressers in our rooms. And then we would go to one another's dressers, and we would trade this for that. And I remember the day that Lois put this on top of her dresser. It's a piggy bank. And I wanted that piggy bank for as long as I could remember. And there it sat. It was part of trading post day. I thought, wow, I wonder what she wants for that. She came over to my dresser, and she was looking. And I don't remember what I had on my dresser that day. I just had this in my mind, the ultimate treasure. And she found something she wanted. And she said, I'll trade you this for that. I couldn't believe it. Absolutely. And I have it to this day. Can you believe it? Neither of us remember what she got for this from me, but I remember. The little black thing was torn. I got a new one out of another piggy bank and stuck it in there, and I used it, my little acorn squirrel piggy bank. Of course, I'm a lover of nature, so. And I still have that little treasure. How do we value things is the question, because the message today, the title is Buyers Wanted. How do we value things? For instance, if I had a $100 bill, and you had a $20 bill, and I said, hey, you want to trade? You would say, absolutely. <laughs> like, 
no question. Just like whatever I had on my dresser, Lois wanted. It's like, are you kidding me? Yes, of course, because I valued this very much. And you value $100 more than you value $20. I have a bicycle, a really nice bicycle. I bought it many years ago. Beautiful aluminum, high-end parts, and I paid a lot for it. It's used now, so maybe somebody would think it's worth maybe two or $300 now. Um, uh, but then at the same time, you might not, if you're past the age of uh, riding bicycles, you might say, well, what good is that to me? Find someone else who wants it. What if I was going to give it to you? I'll give you my really valuable bicycle. You'd be like, no, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's really not worth anything to me. And another thing, somebody handed you flowers, and they said, would you like to buy them? They're $10. Well, that would kind of depend upon whether they were fresh as opposed to wilted, and whether they were the colors you liked. If they were orange or yellow flowers, I probably wouldn't really want them. But if they were blue and deep rose color and pink and white, I'd, I'd give you $10 for a bunch of nice fresh flowers. And when it comes to houses and land, you know, we do a lot of comparables to see what it's worth. Uh, maybe the house down the street in the last six months sold for this much, and maybe our house that we have now, that, that we're looking at buying, I should say, um, is, is a little less than that, but it also has, you know, a bigger yard, but not as nice a kitchen. And we do comparables. Even real estate agents do that. They show you these are what the houses sold for in the last six months around your neighborhood. And so we think this is probably what your house is worth. And the buyer would do the same thing. The buyer would wonder, well, what's my house worth? It depends on what other house is sold for. And we use our intellect and our experience, and we come to a price, and then we set our house up for sale. Or we decide we want to buy that house depending on the research that was done, yes? This is how we value things. We value things based on what we're willing to pay for it, what other people are willing to pay for it. If I don't want to pay anything for it, it's probably not worth anything to me. These are the things we buy. But I'm not talking about the things we value. I'm not talking about things like love or a good night's sleep or your health. I'm just talking about objects that we would buy. Do I have a short in this microphone here? Keeps clicking out. I'm talking about things like a bag of oranges or a surfboard or something like that. And currency what we use. And currency in our culture is cash, right? In another culture, years gone by, the currency might be grain. And another currency could be um, your work and time for somebody else's object. So you might be paid for the work you did in someone's yard with, with groceries or with um, maybe if you did a really good job, maybe somebody would give you a, an old car they had. You know, we just we have different ways of trading or buying. Same thing. Well, money is our currency, and we use it as our medium of exchange. 
We might even, um, our currency might be the toys or the skipping rope on the top of our dresser that we're going to trade for a really cool hat (laughs) or a picture frame. Because one man's trash is another man's treasure. Have you heard that? And even if we're trading on the school ground, okay, and I think that my jacket, my very expensive jacket, isn't worth much. Mom bought it for me, and I don't really like it. But I sure like your cool baseball cap, which is old and dirty, but I want it. And so our parents may not agree with how we value things, but we make the trade. We come home, and Mom is like, I can't believe you did that. You go right back now, and you get your jacket back, because that cap is not worth that much, because our parents know what they paid for something, even if we don't know. Because it's relative. Just like when a child values a shiny nickel over an old $20 bill. Ooh, it's shiny. I want to hold it. I'm talking about a little baby here. It just, it's more appeal to them because they don't understand. But time and again, time and time again, we notice that the ways of God are not the ways of this earth. The culture of heaven is not the culture of this planet. And only in the ways of God can you buy something without money and without price. The purchaser has nothing with which to pay. And the seller wants buyers who have nothing with which to pay. Isn't that a perfect combination? I have nothing to pay, and you want a buyer who has nothing to pay? We have a deal. So that's what we're going to look at today. Revelation Revelation chapter 3. I invite you to look it up. Revelation 3, verse 18. It says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness might not be revealed. I counsel you to buy from me. And we can look in Isaiah as well. Isaiah 55, verses 1 to 3. Oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, Come, buy, and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me Hear, and your soul shall live. Buy without money. Matthew 13. Matthew 13, 44 to 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field when a man found, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, He goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. 
sneaky guy. <laughs> and again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who, when he has found one pearl of great price, went and sold all he had to buy it. So I want to know, where does all this buying come in? Buy gold and white garments? Buy wine and milk without money, without price? Buy bread, no money required? Buy a field with hidden treasure in it? Buy a pearl, the pearl? of very great price so that all you own is sold in order to buy it? What does all this mean? The whole Bible, and I mean the whole Bible to me, seems like a series of billboards posted along the highway of life saying buyers wanted. And I ask, what's actually for sale? You can read here that salvation is represented by the buried treasure, or righteousness is represented by the white garments, or wisdom and sanctification are represented by the pearl, or the kingdom of heaven, as the Bible says. But let's look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 3. In Colossians, which is Paul, he was writing to the people of Colossae, which I think is wonderful because he wrote this beautiful note. He said, referring to Jesus, Jesus is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So when we by these things, it's talking about Jesus. Well, where have you ever heard that we need to buy Jesus? I thought Jesus was a gift. And we've just come past Christmas and New Year's is right ahead of us. The season where we've experienced extra gift giving. I thought Jesus was a gift. Oh my, so what does all this buying mean? And if it doesn't matter whether the pearl is righteousness or Jesus, well, it doesn't matter how you want to describe it. Because when we receive Jesus, we receive Jesus' righteousness. We receive righteousness by receiving him. In fact, we receive salvation by receiving Jesus. We receive everything as a result of receiving Jesus. We receive sanctification. We receive wisdom. Nothing comes to us apart from Jesus. He's part and parcel of the whole plan. Everything comes with Jesus. Nothing comes apart from Jesus. He's not standing outside the door of your heart knocking so that you can open it just a little for him to pass through a little bit of righteousness through the little crack in the door while he stands outside. No, he open the door wide so I can come on in and have a sit-down meal with you as your friend sitting across the table, sharing a meal, bringing with me everything that heaven offers. Jesus himself is this pearl 
of great price. So that means Jesus is for sale. What a concept. So for the rest of the message, I'm going to talk about Matthew 13, 44. And uh, 44 to 46, the parable of the hidden treasure. Again, Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 to 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. So maybe he was just plowing along and bumped into something and saw it. Oh, put it back in the ground. And for joy over what he found, he goes, sells everything he has to buy that field. Did he want the field? No. He just wanted the treasure that was in the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he has found one pearl of great price, went and sold all he had to buy it. Some people would think, that that person had lost their mind. But he would say, oh, no. If you knew the value of this pearl, you would do the exact same thing that I did. You'd sell everything to get it. It's like if you knew the value of a $1,000 bill, you would give me your penny, no problem, in exchange. So the enemy says to God, you were a fool to waste the treasure of Jesus on that ungrateful human family. They don't appreciate him. But this man in the parable, he did know the value of that pearl. And he was happy to sell everything he had. He knew what he was getting. He knew it. He was convinced, so the rest was meaningless. Yes, my little piggy bank full of pennies is absolutely meaningless. If you're offering me a few hundred thousand dollars, I I wouldn't need any time to think about that decision or that trade. When we give ourselves to Jesus, we forsake everything else, and we cling only to him. He is that precious to us. By that pearl. Take everything I have and give me Jesus. Take the world, but give me Jesus. <laughs> That's how we buy Jesus. <laughs> but suppose, suppose I don't really like pearls. Suppose they're just not a big deal to me. Makes sense. It makes sense. Not everybody values Jesus for who he really is. Sometimes, most of the time, it seems to me, I don't really value him for who he really is, I'm ashamed to say. And I know that when I start getting kind of caught up with things in this world. But don't forget the fact that Jesus gave us this parable because it's full of wisdom. It doesn't say that this man found this treasure and thought, oh, Now I have to go get rid of everything and buy that field. No, it says for joy. He ran as quick as he could. Things he had for sale so he could acquire it. If we don't really value the pearl that way, whose fault is it? 
Whose fault is it? Are we looking for fault here? I think we're born like that. We're born where we can't recognize the value. We need that heavenly eye salve. We need the Holy Spirit to reveal to us just how precious this gift of heaven is. This is a revelation from God to our souls. So if you don't really quite seem to value that pearl like everything else in your life, perhaps you could pray this prayer with me. We could pray something like this, Lord, something is terribly wrong. Come and bless me, enlighten me, enlighten my darkened mind. Take away the Laodicean cobwebs out of my mind. Take away my numbness, my, my inability to understand. Quicken my senses so that I can perceive the value of this world. I want to be aware. There's a pearl right in front of me, and I want to know what it's like to understand the treasure that it is so that I will, with joy, toss everything I've been clinging to in order to have that pearl. Lord, that is my prayer. Does your heart long for that like mine does? (laughs) You know, um, If, there's, if I'm sitting here with my nickel and you have a $100 bill and I'm just oh, I'm not sure I want to uh, give it up, I need the Holy Spirit to waken me up. And the Holy Spirit promises to do two things for us. One, reveal to us just how precious that pearl is. And two, Give us a genuine realization of ourselves, our deep soul poverty, so that we find the trade to be absolutely unbelievable good deal, which is a massive understatement. The Holy Spirit will give this to us. He will give us a grasp of just how precious Jesus is. And he will give us a grasp of just how poor our souls are without him. This is the work of the Holy Spirit so that we may exchange our rags for his riches. There is a trade to be made. You know, sometimes I think that God doesn't reveal too much at once because if he really revealed to me me, I'd probably get so overwhelmed, I'd probably be crushed at the ugliness of my motives that I don't even realize, at the thought processes that I'm used to having. At, I, I just think out of kindness and grace, he doesn't reveal all of me to me all at once. And I think it might even be of kindness and grace that he slowly reveals the beauty of Jesus to us too that we might not be just completely overwhelmed and just want to take our own lives. He's not trying to chase us away. Oh, he's so gifted at what he does. He wants us to come and buy without money because he knows we've got nothing. 
And without price, because he knows nothing we have to offer, even the little I'll play my drum for him, you know, it's, it's nothing compared to what he's giving us. And he's not going to take away anything that makes us happy. Nothing is going to be taken away from us that would be for our best interest. He's not going to ruin our fun. He has all we need, and he's waiting and willing to give it to us. But we, in our spiritual poverty, we need to go to him. He says, give yourself to me. I paid for you. Won't you give me your heart? We cannot overcome our frailties and our faults and our, our weaknesses, but we can give ourselves to him and watch what he does with the mess that we've made. And then we can claim this promise that all who see the pearl will for joy sell everything to procure it. It's a promise. All that can satisfy our souls, the human soul, in this world and the world to come, like we talked about in Sabbath school today, all of that is wrapped up in a package called Jesus. But the world seems so valuable to us. We cherish the world and the things in it. When we begin to compare the world with the pearl, just like that song, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. They will just grow strangely dim. And we'll find out that the things we once valued, we just don't value them anymore. They're not so great. Not when you compare them to Jesus. It's kind of like an old car that you got used to, and you're driving it everywhere, and you think it's pretty good. Then your friend comes up and picks you up in her new car, and you get in, and you're like, ooh, I guess my car is pretty dirty. Ooh, I guess my seats are kind of sagging in the middle. These offer nice support. Like just by comparison, you're like, ooh, my car is a lot worse than I thought. Just like that. If we could fathom the ransom that was paid for us, if we could grasp the depth of heaven, and we can't without the Holy Spirit's work in our heart. God is asking you, do you want something better? Do you want what he has? Do you want to hang on to the things of this world? Or would you like what he has to offer? Does he know better than me? Are our affections elsewhere? Is our spiritual life not as warm as it used to be? Or maybe we don't have a warm, affectionate spiritual life because we just never had one. But the Lord, he paid a price for us. And he's the most valuable treasure that can possibly be found. And he's asking, do you appreciate valuable treasure? He allows us to go along week after week, month after month, pursuing things, acquiring things, fretting over things. And then he says, are you happy? 
And after a little while, we say something like, not really, <laughs> not really. There's nothing else more valuable, nothing else more satisfactory. There's nothing else to help us achieve anything. Everything is secondary. And he says, give me what I've purchased. Love me because I've loved you. Be mine, Valentine. <laughs> Be mine. I've given myself for you. Give me your heart. Well, the man in the parable, he knew his possessions were not worth anything in comparison. His possessions were to him like a wadded up gum that you put back in the wrapper, twist around so it doesn't stick to anything, and throw on the floor. That's what he viewed his possessions being worth. And then he viewed Jesus as a treasure of heaven. And it was a no-brainer for him. It was not a difficult decision. It didn't require any wrestling of his soul. Trash for treasure. Treasure for trash. He's like, take it. Take it. You can have it. I just want Jesus. This is our heart's choice when we see what Jesus is really worth. If we don't see what Jesus is really worth, this is not our heart's choice. We need to see him for what he's really worth. And then I look at the other side of the trade, because remember, while Lois was letting go of this amazing thing that I really wanted, my little eight-year-old heart was just so thrilled to have. There's the other side of the picture, too. Think about it for a moment. What was Jesus thinking when he came down to this earth? To restore, to reclaim wounded, damaged, fallen, selfish, blind, wretched humanity. What was he thinking? Trading heaven full of glory and peace and music and kindness Trading that for suffering and hardship and neglect and rejection and abuse. Just so he could give us a second chance. Just so he could give us the choice to choose him or not choose him. Just to buy us that freedom. I used to think Jesus didn't know what he was doing. Honestly, I, I used to think, what are you thinking? It, you say you did this for joy. You could see that you were going to have some redeemed people as a result of your sacrifice. And I used to think, if I'd been at the cross, I would have said, get down. Call those 10,000 angels. We're not worth it. You're everything. We are, like, awful. Don't do it. And then I realized I was so wrong because he's not a fool. He wouldn't have bought us back after we were beaten and left for dead by the enemy of heaven and earth. He wouldn't have bought us back if we weren't so precious to him. And that's why he treated people when he was here with such kindness and such gentleness and tenderness. It's because he recognized that we're a treasure to him. They took a garment and they threw it over his head and they struck him. And they said, 
laughing. Who hit you? (laughs) Since you know everything. When they hit him, he did not hit them back. When we turn our back on him, he does not turn his back on us. When we're unfaithful, he remains faithful. And he's been waiting a very long time for us to discover just how precious he is. He wants us to grasp this in our souls that there is no one else like him. There is nothing else like him. We are now in that little week, the little week between Christmas and New Year. We're still experiencing a little extra fellowship time. There's still some sparkling lights on some houses in our neighborhoods. And at this time of year, right before the New Year starts, when we're on the last Sabbath of the year, This is a time for a lot of reflecting. We think about the year behind us, and we think about maybe the mistakes we made, and we have some regrets. And we think about what we want to do differently. And we're hoping maybe, maybe with this new year, maybe with a little bit of extra steam, we'll be able to achieve what we were wanting or hoping to achieve. But today, the Spirit of God wants us to have a realization and a conviction that we'd rather have Jesus than anything. How can I say that? How can I say today that's what the Holy Spirit wants? Because every day that's what the Holy Spirit wants. That's what the Holy Spirit has always wanted and always will want for us, for us to realize and be convicted in our hearts that we would rather have Jesus than anything. All the other things in reality are really nothing. And we have been desiring so much garbage, and when we could have traded that for Jesus, may God help us to see, to see how, how valueless our worldly ways are, how valueless our worldly treasures are. May God help us to see how precious Jesus is who's just been waiting to bestow upon us all the riches of heaven, especially a heart, a pure heart, that's just full of love for everybody in and out of our church. Lord, something's wrong. Come and bless me. Enlighten my darkened mind. Take away the Laodicean cobwebs out of my mind. Take away the numbness and the insensibility. Quicken my senses so I can perceive, so I can realize, so I can grasp the value of the gift of heaven while I'm living in this dark and foolish world. Who do you count more valuable than Jesus? What have you been grasping for? What are you seeking to achieve? What are you trying to hold on to rather than a close experience, an intimate walk with Jesus?